on the Spencer's the Pez, poking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, eh, sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here's your host, Derek McCaw. Thank you. <clears throat> this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet. Uh, and we are podcasting on Thursday. Oh, it's a Thursday night. It's a Thursday. Uh, September 7th, I think. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I always give the date, but it's just so people know when we're thinking so that if they're off, you know. Anyway. We, what? Did I hear something behind me? Yes. There's voices all over. Dun, 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 it's dun, like, dun, dun. this house is haunted. <laughs> it is haunted. <clears throat> we are podcasting from the Brett Cave. And I am joined this evening by good friends. Without without saying that, without having the benefit of alcohol, but we are stuffed on good Mexican food. Uh, to my right, a guest announcer and oft com- uh, contributor. And how many times nominee now? 13 time, 14 time nominee. Ooh, that's more than we had. 13 time loser. One time winner. Uh, Christopher J. Garcia. And we now fet that one time. Yes, Christopher J. Because we'd like, we'll, we'll let you win twice if the second time is as a panelist on the Fanboy Planet podcast. <laughs> I will take it. All right, I know. Uh, I'd like to take it first. I want to hold that right. That would have to be short program, right? Because it would be a separate performance. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. I see. That's short program. Uh, we're getting you the ice skates and the lessons now. I All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And across it, uh, ho, uh, opening <laughs> his home and uh, opening his heart and his soul and using all this technical know-how, podcast producer, Rick Brett Snyder. Yes. Yes. And uh, anyway, so let's talk. We have uh, some comics news we want to talk about, as was promised, the new 52, uh, now that it's old. How's it? How is it? They're just calling it the 52. They now. are. Uh, no, but the books are still saying new 52. Yeah, but uh, DC says they're just calling it 52. It's just now. the 52. Are there and 52 still? There are many more than 52, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, we're going to talk a couple of books by other companies. Why not? Sure. And uh, let's. And then we'll t- t- look over at Marvel and see what, you know, if it's not the new 52, it must be Marvel now. Marvel now. Now, now, um, and then uh, we have a Hugo report. That's why we have uh, Mr. Chris, uh, Doctor Reverend Doctor Christopher J. Garcia here to talk about the Hugo Awards. He's back from Chicago, Chicago at the wor- at there, World man. Con. And earlier t- tonight, he said something. He was like, you know, it was, uh, it was so cute when he turned to me and said, "Neil's writing for us." Like he's on a first name basis with Neil Gaiman. And I almost punched him. Uh, and uh, we'll talk. Uh, there's not much movie news, but we'll talk what, what little we know. Little TV. And because Chris is here, we will talk wrestling. We haven't talked wrestling in a long, long time. That's right. We're hey, gonna... so people of Earth, if you want to talk wrestling, you got to join us here on the Fanboy Planet. That's all right. Baby. So let's talk. But if you like the show. Thank you. i got to do all my salesmanship. Thank you. You probably get this. Uh, you can get this either on our website, www.fanboyplanet.com. You can get it on iTunes. And if you've got it on iTunes, please review us, 
subscribe to us, and tell your friends. You can also listen to us through Stitcher on the Stitcher app. Uh, okay, and if you really like what you're what you're hearing, please don't hesitate to go to the website and push that little PayPal button and put a number in afterwards. I'm not really sure how that works. Magic elves like give us money. Some little magic. I'm hoping you know. Just come on. If you okay. like you like our friend, Facebook page, we will we will say hi to you on this Facebook page. Well, for now, that's and then you have to get what I'd li- what I'd love to have happen is that we get so many likes on the Facebook page, you don't have time to say hi. I will have time. For as long as I have time. You need a job. Uh, All right. So I'm uh, saying that even though your wife's nearby, to agree. Uh-huh. She's uh-huh. nodding behind she's, me right now. She's she? gone. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we can talk freely then? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, let us talk some comics. So we put – oh, wait. First, we do have an update on uh, – there was a question asked of us last week by Brian listener Brian Kent. Yes. And Brian, he talked about how he was curious as to why – uh, on the Superman annual, there was a writer who had gone public with his uh, with a YouTube video saying he hated Superman. Why would they do that? Not only did he hate it, he would tell you why well, you, you hated, hated it, it too. Okay. I wanted to slap him when I watched the video again. And then what happened was we realized it wasn't the Superman annual. Though thanks, Brian, because we all bought the Superman annual, which sucked. It did. It's the upcoming Action Comics annual, number one, that is co-written by... Max Landis, who is the son of writer-director John Landis, famous for American Werewolf in London, uh, Animal House, Schlock, one of my favorite films. Your next Wednesday. That's Wednesday. His father That's is famous, his for, all this. famous for all this. Max is famous, famous for, for drinking Chronicle. whiskey no, while he, he wrote, does... He wrote Chronicle, which was uh, a really? minor hit last spring. Decent film. Still haven't seen it, but I saw I, it. I've heard it's okay. It was okay. And uh, infamous for doing a YouTube video in which he got some of his minor level celebrity friends to portray characters in the Death of Superman reenacted in a very low budget cardboard way as he ranted about how stupid that event was. Well, yes, Max, in hindsight, it probably was, but we had fun and enjoyed it at the time. At the time. Not oh, as yeah. good as the Secret War reenactment video. Oh, still Max, my all-time still the favorite. <laughs> Max just has to be so hip and happening. He does the whole thing with a glass of whiskey in his hand. You can see the top of the bottle just almost at a camera shot. Just almost at I, a camera I shot. I will admit, you know what? If the guy wants to be on the show, we will treat him nicely, uh, just as we would welcome Rob Liefeld should he show up. But Really? Uh, no, I I would. I don't. I don't Rob, I would. Right. I don't believe in inviting anyone into your house and then just to rip into them. You treat them as a good guest. You treat we them do it on respect. the porch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to because yes, I did not. I thought some of that video was funny. I did not like his attitude. No, he. Not at all. I couldn't make it all the way through because I was actually rather repelled by him. By him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he swore a lot too. Yeah, I don't unnecessarily, and you know that I don't really like that. I know you. I, I, I believe in a judicious use of swearing yes. for humorous shock effect, but it wears off as South Park well proved. Yes, uh, but he is co-writing Action Comics number one. And back to Brian's original question: Why would they hire someone like that to do it? Because secretly. He loves what he claims to hate. Of course. And, of course, when they call him so up. So he's a liar, too. Oh, well, aren't we all? Uh, oh, I know. I was only one. No. I'm sorry. It's not the liar. He's the uh, you know. Anyway, uh, I was going to go into the like new 52 early, and then I realized, no, that one, that, that comparison didn't work. Um, so, yeah, he is. Uh, DC was figuring there. So he got some notoriety from that. Mm. He got some, some buzz off of. Uh, 
off of Chronicle, and so it's logical that they ask him to write Superman, uh, to write a story, to at least okay. one. It's not like they're hiring him to become a regular writer, although he'd probably actually do that because, you know, hey, you know, that hipster thing, it's all about ironic posing, man. Yep. That's all it's about. So Why you, you can respect it or not. What? Why are you looking at me? I don't know. I, I do you feel like I'm suddenly I'm judging you? Posing. I, I, yeah, I don't know if you're ironically posing. I just sort Chris of... doesn't even have a mustache. What? I just shaved it. Uh, oh, yeah, I did have one. Yesterday. He's he's back into full on Sumerian look. I mean, it's like we're sitting here at the edge of the table waiting for him to pass down the code of Hammurabi, hmm. and let us talk. I get that. I know you do, uh, and that's why we're friends. I'll admit it. There, it's, it's there. It's out there on the airwaves. You and I, we're friends. Wow. Yeah. Suddenly, it's a new Derek. It's a new Derek. It's a new Derek. I'm going to put music behind this part. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, you know. Midnight at the Oasis. And our <laughs> what? No, no. Only the only fair use stuff because we want this to be you know oh, brand new key. Uh We are. Uh, yeah. Our listenership just dropped with that one. There's a new <laughs> sincere Derek, and no one wants to pay attention because, as we pointed out, if on, on the internet, no one will actually pay attention to if you say that things are nice and fine. And, no, and we great. still so, have the christeners. So stick to the script. I know you're trying to hurt me, and it won't. I will not rise to your bait. However, I might when we talk about the new Fifty Two. So, yes. or now the old Fifty Two, or just the, the Fifty Two. Yeah. All right. So start with it. Rick, You uh, did you come up with the list of the things that have fallen by the wayside in this first year? I didn't. I actually have the list. I, I'm sorry. I didn't know we were going to go right that way. Well, um, I, you know, we could. Okay. What I, if you've been to the, web, to the actual web page, I reviewed a few. Uh, I managed to get in three uh, because they were all by Jeff Johns last week. Uh, books that uh, basically as we were reaching the end of this year, DC is doing two things. Issue number 12. Issue number zero. And annuals, which are kind of, they're not hitting the reset button so much as just saying, okay, now you've enjoyed this much, here's a summation, and we're going to slingshot into the next year with these great events. And it's been to some mixed mixed results. Last week, I uh, reviewed, Aqua, or on the website, I reviewed Aquaman number 12, mm-hmm. which was kind of bringing together, bringing to a close the, the saga of The Others. Um and then uh, I reviewed the Green Lantern Annual Number One, which was the prologue to the rise of the Third Army. And then the most infamous of all, and I got to do like a little reporting actually, researched uh, Justice League Number Twelve, uh, which is infamous now for selling out before it even hit the stands because in it Wonder Fuck Woman yes. and Superman kiss. But what I found interesting in writing the review and looking for art online, going to the DC site. None of that's actually on the site, and the cover they have for D- for Justice League number twelve, the image is of Aquaman in a sewer with an dragging an unconscious Superman and Batman behind him. Oh, I hmm. saw that. Which I guess the thing you'd say is no surprise to us that it was leaked to the media as a big. As it, it's not that Superman and Batman, uh, Superman and Batman kissing. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> yes, it would. DC, are you daring enough to do that, no, Jeff no, no, Jones? No, no, they are. Stormwatch. That, no, Apollo and Midnighter don't count because the average person has no idea who they are. Okay? But... And now they know. Uh, they, <laughs> but uh, with, them, uh, with Wonder Woman and Superman 
kissing and was designed to get headlines, designed to have mm-hmm. everybody who doesn't read comics run into their store to get this sure to be a collector's item. Sure. Justice League number 12 and put it on the shelf right next to your Superman number yeah. 75 and your Todd McFarlane Spider-Man number one. Though it was not gold embossed. I'll give DC that much. They didn't They didn't do anything didn't special do silver, with it. Uh, uh, no, no. Yeah. Um, there and are, and there I read are. it, and you and you pointed out last week. It was just like two. Is actually, I thought it was more like three pages build up. Yeah. But within it, the conclusion I reached is, it's for a short term story. Mm-hmm. Might not be bad if Superman was exploring. Although I still think Superman wouldn't give in. And then I thought about it, and I went, "Really? I'll bet you know." There was a voice nagging in my head, and it was Lori Lamaris's. And uh, <laughs> so I realized bubbles. Okay, there was a problem there. <laughs> <laughs> he did read someone else, and uh, oh, Lori. Um, and so I thought about that. And Lana he Lyon, dated Lori before he met. Lois before he Lyon. met Lois, you're right. And Lois, the one you know, maybe Cat Grant. No, um, but uh, but what I realized within the actual issue number twelve, the main reason it'll never work is right there. Wonder Woman is a warrior. Yeah. She will kill. She has killed. There's no question. And Superman can't live with that. I mean, he can live with it. He can't live. He can't willingly be with someone he can't be who is a killer. Yeah. He just can't. But they could explore it for a little cheap conflict that would get us through three or four issues and make a nice trade paperback. Sure. So this is moonlighting. That's what you're saying. No. No, because moonlighting was much more entertaining. Okay. Uh, There's a lot more tension build up to the. Uh, yeah, this was really just this is really just a thing where. They, Meyerman is like these characters. The problem with Justice League is, as a franchise book, it's all toys from other that other people are are playing with individually, and then Jeff Johns gathers them together and plays. Yeah, and that's too much reverberation through other things. So, like, he can have this kind of just lurching from from huge event to huge event to huge event in Green Lantern. And I don't mind because nothing that happens in the rest of the DC universe affects Green Lantern. It hasn't always been that way, though, because we've seen a number of times. There were some very noteworthy crossovers. I'm thinking of the Red Blue Superman, for example, because the Justice League didn't trust Superman when he was. But that was back with Grant Morrison. Yeah. No, but that was. But I'm I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus. You're you're right. I'm going to focus it. But the only person. The Red Blue Superman, you go back there, the only writer who did anything actually decent with it, because I defy you right now to explain what actually happened to both transform Superman into that and to cure him of that. I don't believe they ever explained. That's right. That's why I'm defying (laughs) you right now. But the only writer to handle that well was Grant Morrison in JLA. And the only one who trusted was Batman, who said, duh, he's Superman. Of course he can handle it. Yeah. But what I'd say since is... It, since Jeff Johns has been chief creative, creative officer, the book that works the best is still Green Lantern because from the moment he revived Hal Jordan, that's been his baby. Nobody else has touched it. Right. And he is, and at the end of it, when he leaves Green Lantern, which I assume must happen someday but shows no sign of slowing down, it's one long story. Sure. From and the first class, you buy those trade paperbacks. There's no, or you know, there's no. Oh, this you got to read this arc. No, it is the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah, but we're jumping to one of the problems I, I had. I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, which is John's. John's is great because he's both the creator and he he's the editor. He is the one who's charting the larger course against all these different books. 
the problem is with 52, they were supposed to rebooted everything. And so everyone's like five, yes. five years old. Green Lantern, even right now with the uh, the Third Army, the rise of the Third Army, they're still making allusions back to the war, the War of the Rings, the the, the mm-hmm. all the, the things the, that happened the, pre the, before in yeah, the, the Darkest universe, Night, yes. and there's just not enough time for all that to have happened and all the repercussions that occurred to characters outside of Green Lantern because of that right and it just, just doesn't work well but if it doesn't get mentioned by anybody else it's okay but it gets it, mentioned in the latest issues of green lantern right but it but only within the com- so i can enjoy green lantern pretending that those other books don't get, didn't get rebooted i can yeah you can i mean yeah. i when i picked up that, that i messed up and i read the annual number first. one first before yeah. i read green lantern number 12 sure that writing was so solid that was so self-contained that I did not, I did not care how he ended up in the grave. All that mattered was he was in the grave. He was fighting black. You know, they were uh, black up hand. against black yeah. hand. And I went, yes, that makes perfect sense. Oh, I, oh, I think I missed something. Oh, yeah. it didn't bother me. Then I went back and read it when I still enjoyed that issue. Sure, sure. And there were other revelations back in twelve that weren't mentioned in one. Right. And I thought, yeah, that's a great launch. Will I read the other Green Lantern books? No, I don't no. want to for the Rise of the Third Army. But I do want to see how Hal Jordan handles, or or Baz handles. You know, it really scares the heck out of me. Simone Baz. I'm holding up the annual right now, and it's got the banner "Rise of the Third Army." You yes. know, what scares me about that. It's just the rise. There's probably going to be. I said it's a long. It's he's going to be he's a playing huge a long arc. game. He's got a huge, huge, epic plan. He can handle. He can. You know, he's got Green Lantern going forever, and I don't mind that because it's like if I were a fan of. Savage Dragon, right? And I'm following Eric Larson's work on that. I I don't. But I'm look sorry, what he did with does. Darkest Night. Darkest Night did not just stay within the DC within Blackest the Green Light. Light. Blackest Night did not just stay within the. No, I the know Green it didn't. But books. the only but the only book that it truly ended up mattering to is Green Lantern. So that right now I can say, if I had just read that, I would have been fine. Okay. And because because even in the reboot, things got messed up. Like how did Dead Man end up being dead again in Hawk and Dove? And yet yeah. some of that. Still had brightest day. You know, he was still a dating Dove. Yeah, and then they and then they went in DC Universe Presents and had the the really good five issue Dead Man arc mm-hmm. that redefined him yet a different way. Mm-hmm. And so there's no control. And then so in this new Fifty Two, you're also getting these like national comics, these one shots that arise. Uh, we had Kid Eternity. We talked about that yeah. last week. Looker came out. Like why, why? They felt that of all the heroes that deserved to be saved <laughs> from previous continuities, Looker had to be re-shoehorned hey, in. Yeah, Weisenweib back. He Weisenweib is will back. Be back. He will be? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're foolish. No, he's part of Justice League of America, which is coming in four or five months. He's part of a government ops team with Catwoman, Martian so, Manhunter, Steve Trevor. Who else was on there? Uh, Star Spangled Girl. Oh. Or, uh, or Star Girl, rather. I'm sorry. Right. Um and who else am I thinking? And I can't believe we're missing. We talked about them, yeah, uh, about, about them as a team. Um, but the important thing is these are all Gypsy. the kind of on the edge no, of... Gypsy has not been brought back. <laughs> Which, no, but I mean, you say that, but the thing is that one mm-hmm. of the things I enjoyed previously was Gypsy was almost treated like she was treated like she was almost Martian Manhunter's daughter. He yeah. had that relationship. And that was a nice humanizing thing. That was something that could be anchored onto, even though... 
it was clear she had retired, and at one point they did, they did a story dealing with that where he was so proud that she had gone on to have a life that didn't involve crime fighting, mm-hmm. and she was okay, and that mattered. I'm like, I love that. But the problem is that kind of storyline means it's closing off a, a, character. a character. Until something tragic happens in that oh, character's God, yes, life. And that's what Justice League 12 pointed out. Yeah. Jeff Johns has redefined everybody. It wasn't enough that Aquaman's father was dead, as I'd assumed for, I don't know, since 1940, natural causes, Mm -hmm. but that Black Manta had killed his father, and in in retaliation, or maybe not, maybe Aquaman had killed Black Manta's father first, and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah? You know, it's just like, so you have that. So the only heroes that don't have, that aren't being driven by the death of someone close to them are Wonder Woman. She's just a warrior. Right. And... Nope, nope, that's pretty much it. Um, Cyborg. Cy- uh, no, because the implication in yeah. 12 is the death It's the death of himself. Oh, you're right. He's driven by that. That's that was a weird... But he rejected a, that. He Ultimately, yes, yeah. but I think, it's a, I think it's a huge reduction of characterization. And just yeah. before this, they did that with the Atom. And instead of, you know, again, I'm back to my I'm inspired. But anyway, I don't want to delve it down. But I, I read the, the Looker thing. Ian Edgington wrote it. And, oh. and already... It's a, you know, she's a vampire, which is, I mean, that's, that's she's, a tr- big change. No, it's not. No. She was a no. vampire for quite oh, some time. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of the other one. Okay. She's a supermodel turned vampire with hypnotic right. powers. But I don't know if it fits in the universe of I Vampire. So right. is this happening in the same, and then without a 52 label on it, and I haven't had a chance to catch up and read it, uh, read Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor did a Phantom Lady and Dollman revival Ooh. last week. Yeah. I missed that. So I have the, you know, the cover looks good. I really want to get to it. I haven't had a chance to. The cover looked good. I but it doesn't say 52. And, yeah. And so it's like, okay, if it doesn't quite fit, like the shade isn't part of the 52, and yet we've seen Deathstroke, the version, mm-hmm. and he's calling back to, you know, World War II heroes. So uh, it's all confusing. So there's more than 52 books. Yes. And uh, I'm aware that GI Combat had a zero issue. So they, they introduced a new unknown soldier, and it turns out that every war, has had its own unknown soldier. Uh, so I've got the I've got the list of the original fifty two. Maybe I can just give it to you because you're more aware of which one's been canceled. Okay, so oh, oh, I closed it. Oh. Ah, iPod pads, big things. I hit the silly button. Okay, uh, so Justice League number one, which I really enjoyed. That you know, they, last week Nate was talking about how everything's been on time, but the only way Justice League stayed on time was they shifted it to a. They did delay that. There was like a two-month gap at one point or mm-hmm. a month or a five-week gap so that it could stay on. Um, action. Uh, well, many of these are so. Hawk and Dove has died. Justice League International is about to. Yeah. Men of War died. OMAC died. Static Shock died. Mm. Stormwatch, I think, is still alive. Stormwatch is definitely still alive. Swamp Thing is still alive. Batman and Robin, doing very well. Nick Ray just posted today. They're back in the in the uh, New York Times bestseller list. Awesome. Batwoman's still around. Deathstroke's still around. Demon De- Deathstroke's still around, huh? That's yeah. That's a surprise. Demon Knights is... Uh, Deathstroke might not be... Rob Liefeld involved that. Deathstroke might have, might have died out. Um... Demon Knight's still going. Frankenstein's still going. Green Lantern. And they did just they did just deeply tie Demon Knights into Stormwatch. This okay. last issue of Stormwatch. Yes. Well, we knew that was coming. And uh, Legion Lost still going. Grifter. I don't know. What, Grifter's up in the air. Uh, Mr. Terrific, gone. Mr. Terrific very clearly moved into Earth 2. Yep. Uh, to fight for reasons I don't understand, but maybe you will explain it to me, James Robinson. 
Terry Sloan, the original Mr. Terrific, exists on Earth 2, but he is Mr. 8. Right, and you didn't read Earth 2 issued? Zero, zero. I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. All right. But and that's why I know he's Mr. Eight. But it didn't. I yeah. There wasn't a good explanation to me as, as why to was why he Mr. that. Terrific came over to do. Yeah. Um, Red Lantern still going strong. Resurrection Man. I think that may have gotten canceled again. Dang it! Because I love the concept of Resurrection Man. I liked what they did this time around. Suicide Squad still going. Superboy still going. Batman still going. Birds of Prey. Blue Beetle. I think bit the dust. Captain Adam bit the dust. Catwoman still going. DC Universe Presents can go on because it's just an anthology. It's switching. Who's in it right now? Uh, I don't know. It was Vandal Savage. Um, Green Lantern Corps still going. Legion of Superheroes. Nightwing still going. Red Hood and the Outlaw. Supergirl. Wonder Woman still going. Loving Wonder Woman. All-Star Western still going. Aquaman. Yep. Batman the Dark Knight. Blackhawks gone, I think. Flash still going. Fury of Firestorm seems to still be going. Green Lantern still going. I don't know about Justice League Dark. I think they're I think they're they're closing out if they're not already gone. And I don't know about Voodoo. I think Voodoo and Grifter may be going into something else. But uh, yeah, there's a the timeline is weird because they keep on having these books that happened five years ago that they're introducing. Right. And I'm not even sure because I just saw a commer- uh, thing for Team Seven. Yes, and that has Steve Trevor in it. Right. So Team Seven was an old Wildstorm title. Right. And I do understand that some of these titles have to be revived because of trademark issues. You've got to keep it going so that no one else can start a book called Team 7. Right. Uh, Deathstroke's on that team. Steve Trevor's on that team. Cole Cash, Grifter, right. would have been on that. And so there's combining. I think he is, actually. Yeah, they're it's combining the, Wildstorm and DC Heroes. It's the same thing they did with, uh, with uh, Stormwatch. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they put Martian Manhunter in there. Right, right, right. Illusions. But. Um, yeah, the the books I enjoy are I'm not I don't want to get involved in the crossovers. I didn't need to like when they did the Court of Owls thing. Yeah. Um okay, I was really only reading Batman and Robin. I was fine. Yeah, they got too. over that Peter J. DeMossi got over that really quickly. And I liked instead uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, have you read this book, Chris? Uh well, you're familiar with Damien, right? I am. Yes. Okay. So Damien uh, like because of the Court of Owls thing, Bruce Wayne had gathered everybody who had been Robin, mm-hmm. including the Red Hood. And so Damien decided he was going to prove to them all he he was was the the best Robin. So he went around setting up puzzles and challenges and beating the snot out of all the others. (laughs) And taking trophies. Yes, taking trophies. He took the Red Hood's hood. (laughs) Kind of. It was really, it was like... But I thought, that's a good, you know. I, I mean, loved it when he got to Nightwing, and Nightwing just said, here's my baton. Yes. We don't have to fight. <laughs> because Dick Grayson understands, yeah. appreciates. And um, I think they've also did a thing where he said, like, like uh, that uh, Batman grounded him, said Robin is, but he's, right. he's Redbird. He's Redbird. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, going, he's got all, another new identity all his own. And they said he's only 10. So he's like psycho... His Redbird costume has almost little bits of all the other ones too. He's got like a red mask that's well, it's like all red. the trophies. Yeah. Um, so I I just dig what's going on with that, but I don't need to read any of the others. I'm reading Batman Incorporated. I am too, and enjoying that. Matches Malone is back. I'm sorry, that's where Redbird showed up. He was grounded in Batman Incorporated. You're right. I think. Uh, and Matches Malone showed up, and that was great. I mean, yeah. I, I'm liking that exploration. And then DC has turned to, like, say, the annuals, which have done, okay, that Superman one we read, we both were horrified by, where it was teen Superman, yep. young Superman, as they say, called Superman. Superman. Uh, and it was, but you had these weird, 
He's fighting Hellspont from the Demonites, and these weird check-ins with out of nowhere, Grifter shows up uh-huh. with Deathblow for a panel. Yep. And then where did they come in? How did they get there? What? Who? What? Then then there's a page with Hawkman. And it was, and it was. You were right. Your description last week of it's like I picked up a free comic book day sampler yep. of just a page out of somebody else's <laughs> story in every day, and I was like, ah, ah, ah. I was very confused True. by everything, and so by claiming to tell the origin of of Hellspond, they did a crappy job of that. Yep, I couldn't get the connection between. The early who the part demonites of the, were. If yeah. I just picked up that annual, I would have no idea who the demonites were. Yeah. It didn't explain it. No. And so that was bad. Um, that was horrible. That, so, so I was entirely justified because I listened to the show, your horror your horror at my folding the cover back on this book. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's like, this is never going to be worth I, anything. No, it, it won't. Unless it the was... world goes incredibly ironic and... I don't think it's going to be. Maybe Action Comics number annual will be better. But what I I picked up, I think the Batman annual, uh, was was actually a couple months ago, where they did a story just focusing on Mr. Freeze in the midst of the Court of Owl, or the Night of the Owls Ah. uh, plotline. And it looks like the other Bat annuals are going to follow the same thing. It's actually used this as a chance to redefine the villains of Gotham City. And I like that. Show me that. Tell me who they are now. Mm-hmm. And but what I really liked was Scott Snyder because yeah, we got an, uh, we got a lot of the Penguin yeah and but we got Mr. Books. Freeze and Scott Snyder sort of reimagined Mr. Freeze but in ways that didn't invalidate anything that had happened before and if you're gonna do again you didn't need a reboot I understand I understand for sales reasons I guess you had to you had to but the best writers are able to. Convince me that it's something new without destroying my memory of the old. And I'm hearing mm-hmm. this with retailers: is that anything that happened before the new Fifty Two suddenly the trade paperbacks aren't selling? They're not selling because they, what does the continuity have to do? I'm telling you, people, go back and get some of that stuff. JLA, Grant oh, Morrison's man, run, the Grant Morrison is going to be great. Gail Simone's work on Secret Six. If you can get those trade paperbacks, that's good storytelling. It doesn't nothing, matter. Nothing in the current JLA comes close to those Grant Morrison stories. No. The, that, those books for me were de- were redefining Batman in a JLA story. Absolutely. Um, so, and then the zero issues. Some of them are establishing this long thing, like Dialage for Hero. I mentioned uh, off the air goes way, way, way back in time, thousands of years in the past to the Babylonian uh, H. Dialer. Um, and it's a weird story. It is a weird story because the implication. Have you been reading Dial H? Yes. Which I have the latest which, one. Which I love, but the implication is that they're tapping into these alternate worlds of superhero, of crazy superheroes. And so the, the Babylonian one taps into a hero that has to be modern day. So the dial transcends time and space. Nice. And so it's kind of, it, I, I don't want to spoil, to spoil it to listeners, except it's well worth your time. It's a good, good story. It's cool. It's mind-bending. Like, well, like, I guess you're going to hate me for this, but, you know... Honestly, the most of the reading I do, sadly, is uh, is comics. Yeah, uh, I have a stack of novels and a stack of short story anthologies and so forth that I really want to get to. But if I only have a few minutes, I'm going to pick up a comic. I know Chris mm-hmm. has read a lot of uh, China. China is one of my personal favorites, and from what I understand, and he sounds like somebody like I would love to read his novel. Oh yeah, did you read Rail? I wish C? I had time. I haven't read Rail C yet. I, I just started a little while ago. Read Kraken, 
Everyone out there. I've heard that about Kraken. Kraken. I've Kraken been, is the one that You're not the first to tell me that. Yeah. yeah apparently, this is the one that in tone and in feel feels the most like Dial H. Okay. okay. Um, but then Perdido Street Station is like the darkest thing ever written. Um, I've heard that too. And I, City. City in the City is a great one. But yeah, Kraken for me is, it is not hilarious, but it's funny in that it makes you look at the world and realize there's way weirder things going on in it. He seems to be yeah. to to be alternate crazy as um oh god what was his name? Um, Michael Moorcock? N- well, I mean he's he's got he's got that going on. He's yeah. he's just able every book is able to redefine uh, an entirely new crazy set of of world mm-hmm. rules that uh, he plays in. Yeah. Yeah, so I I really enjoy that. The other zeros, okay, cuz I know Brian Shimada Listener went on the fa- Facebook page and said, uh, did you read Phantom Stranger number zero? And are we going to hear about it on the podcast tonight? Yes, you are. Oh. Ouch. Okay, first of all, I want to say, Brent Anderson, great artwork. And the Phantom Stranger number zero is obviously going to have something to do with the DC Universe. Very, very crucial in the next year. But, okay, so... Chris, you haven't read it. You did. You were vaguely no. aware that a book was coming. Yeah, right? I knew that there was a Fam Stranger coming out. Fam Stranger, one of my all-time favorites. Okay, and again, one of mine. I, and I think I one you, of mine. I think that you and I have talked about like my pitch, my idea for how they would, I would have redefined him. And I don't like. To, I don't say that for any other reason. Then it's like this. It is one of the reasons it hurts me. Like I researched. I knew what his past was. I come up with a come up with a storyline that would have acknowledged the things of his past and moved him forward into a kind of a new, more fun way to do things, which unfortunately that that bastard Stephen Moffat read my mind and essentially did much the same thing with Doctor Who Mm -hmm. last season. Um, And I was like, wait, (laughs) watching that last episode going, wait a minute, that was my plot point. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) So to rethink it. So obviously what, not that anybody at DC had ever heard it, but in this redefinition, and I don't like it, it begins with, when we saw this in, was it the New 52 uh, yeah, Free Comic was, Book Day issue? That yes, had it was that, the that Free Comic that, Book Day that talked about the Trinity of Sin. The, yeah, the Trinity of Sin. So there's this mysterious cabal of wizards, wizards that for eons have judged those who have gone too far with their magic. One of them is clearly meant to be Shazam because he has the lightning bolt, Yeah, but he's younger. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out if, like... They're just... Each one is a representative of, of like, a, a primal nation is all I can Maybe, but with. I thought of something else today. The way there, the way there's a couple of visual cues on that that makes me think... That what what they're trying to do is sort of make you think of the elders on the old Shazam live action series. Oh, wow. Really, the seven gods, and I thought, yeah, because there's a character with the li- that's Hercules had the lion mane, mm-hmm. and there's a character wearing that. And yes, it hurts. See, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Yeah, I looked at this. Sorry, I went, oh, how what, how long do you have to be there to get a chair? Because there's only three <laughs> of them in chairs. The rest are standing. Um. Anyway, uh, like, but we're all equal. Seniority. So we're the council, council of sin. Uh, or the there's the Trinity of Sin and the Trinity of Sin. I like the Council of Sin. Is Pandora, who first introduced Sin into the world, uh, yes. the evils into the world. There is a nameless. I thought char- she introduced curiosity. <laughs> that's what, well, that's that's, that's a what sin. a matriarchy would say. Yes, uh, but we're in a patriarchy now, fella. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yes, 
And uh, then there's the the question, the character who will obviously be the red question. Guy. So it turns yeah. out the Vic Sage, not really a crusading reporter who just got a cool mask. No, 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 no. He's thousands of years old, oh. and he created a he committed a sin of hubris. And then the Phantom Stranger. We still haven't seen that that happen on stage yet. No, have we have we? not. Yeah. Then the Phantom Stranger, who wears thirty pieces of silver right. around his neck as a necklace, which used to be oh, I called that just a little chain that held his. It looked cape very seventies. Looked very hip. Yes. With a with a turtleneck, that was that was sharp. I, I that love that date costume bait. again. Yeah, it's one of those things that I realize, yes, I'm so, so much of my thinking of what a good-looking man looks like is based on the artwork of Jim Aparo and Dick Dillon <laughs> um, and with Dick Giordano inks. And you, you, when you vision, you always have those kind of flare or bell-bottom jeans. Yeah. And I want one of those groovy medallions. Yes. Anyway, um, so uh, he's clearly Judas because of the 30 pieces of silver. But they don't name him. Right. And he betrayed his best friend. That's what he thinks his sin is. And his best friend would forgive him. Why don't wow. you? And his best friend, they never say it's Jesus, but it is. And he gets put back to the field of blood where his best friend died. Yeah. And he has to wear his it's robe. Which he later cuts into a better-looking piece of uh, yes. clothing. So let me explain, Mr. DiDio. Hang on. just can, I, can we talk about one thing before you go deep in oh, this? Honk. The idea that we bring in such a heavy in Christianity and, and even, even if you're just going to call that well, Christian folklore. No, I'm going to go into this. Not only this and it's a terrible misreading of what... Judas's sin is now. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and we're not no, we're not a religious podcast, no, um, yet. But we're yet, all, but we're about to become because I'm gonna say you look, and I both have a religious upbringings. We have religious upbringings. I am a believer. I call myself Christian. I call myself Christian, and I'm I, a Scientologist, and I have what? <laughs> I mean, you're a Mason. Nothing. Yes. Uh, I've thought about. I see you've been traveling, it, and I think about it a lot. I mean, you know, interpreting because I also approach from a. From a, a literary criticism, I've read all, all these stories and figured this out. Even as a child, so here's my little thing, and write in, hate me, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Even as a child, I felt bad for Judas. Sure. And I'll explain, I'll explain why. Because I can remember in catechism being told, Judas committed suicide and suicides go to hell. And I said, wait, 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 wait. And I had stopped. And it was like, and it was like flummoxing, flummoxing to the teacher. Judas had to do it. He right. had to betray Jesus. That was, that was foretold. It was part of the plan. At least that's what the literature says. Yes. I've read the literature. Don't mess with me, ma'am. I have the children's Bible. And uh, <laughs> right here. Well illustrated. Right. It was very heavy. I've bit. underlined in crayon. The yes. <laughs> and, and so if his guilt and his torment was so great, he had to – he killed himself. Yes. I felt that was unfair that he would have to be in hell. Always problematic to me. Yes. Always. Um, and then years later as a young adult watching uh, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ, where that is exactly yes. what Harvey Keitel, though perhaps perhaps miscast as Judas Iscariot, um, going, you know, but they and Willem Dafoe argued that very point. It was like, yes, oh, I get that. Yep. But the misreading and the misrepresentation of Judas's sin, if you must say it's a sin, is the Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns, because I know that Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns probably sit around and go, wouldn't it be cool if this... And they said his sin was greed. His 30 pieces of silver was what he was paid, yes. Yeah. But it wasn't because he wanted that. Even, even they the, call out his avarice. Even the, no, even the Bible 
does not say no. he took it because he was greedy. He took those 30 pieces of silver because he thought he could feed the poor with it. And that was his argument and his conflict with Jesus was why are, why are we busy? Why are you talking about the kingdom beyond when there are people that need to be relieved of their suffering here? I For dilettantes go, out there, you can learn all of this in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar. I was, I was going, I was going exactly there because it has the line that the game is fixed. Yes. Both of them come across as victims of God's plan to Yeah, and I don't like cleanse, Jesus Christ Superstar. I think soul. it's... I, 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 you know, I've always thought it's a little too irreverent for me, especially the you know song. Hey, oh, it's it. reductionist. It's wonderful, but I still will take that interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that's so to say that his sin is greed, and now his penance is that he has to he has to wait two thousand years into the modern age of superheroes, and anybody he befriends. He has to betray, and then he gets to pay off you one of those pieces. A huge bit, though. Well, he want okay because I'm going to get there, and this is so. This isn't just an update of the Phantom Stranger; it's an update of the Spectre. And I'm yes. going to say okay, that, the, oh, no, this, no, Jim Corrigan is that you saw that. it? Okay, yeah. Yeah. and here's what's I'm I'm sorry, um, I'm probably going to ruin every chance of becoming friends with Dan DiDio ever because I just think anybody anybody could have written that book. I don't think Dan DiDio is a great. What the uh, Phantom Stranger? The, the, that issue number zero. Yeah. Anybody who read the original eight-page Jerry Siegel, Bernard Bailey origin story of, of the, the Spectre, Spectre. of the Spectre, Spectre, right, could have seen that updated, and it was like somebody explained it. And if Dan DiDio's gift was dialogue, it's not. The dialogue is not particularly clever. No, the guy just up, comes across the updating angry. of the story. The only difference in the story now is that the Phantom Stranger is there, but the other thing is. The Phantom Stranger didn't need to be there. Everything that happens to Jim Corrigan right. would have happened without the Stranger. Right. The, the Stranger is, and so is the observer. Re- He's the observer. Why right. are we reading I think that? They wanted to, uh, I think they wanted to introduce the Spectre, but that wasn't the big thing. As, a, as someone who, who looks, you look at this as Judas, God's plan for man, the whole yeah. Christ resurrection. But we didn't say it's Jesus. We didn't say it's Jesus. We didn't but say he's Judas. Who is, who is laying the punishment down on him? Wizards. Yes. And the, oh, Crazy, unnamed oh, no. wizards. Oh, no, are, no, no. Then you misread, too, because when the voice is put on the robe, oh, yes. he says, that's not the wizards. Right. It might be something else. So they're they're trying got, to have their cake right. and their communion wafer, and they're trying to eat it all, too. And apparently all of their pagan and uh, ritualistic uh, totems from any number of things. Here's the honest thing. Throw at this. Do you when want to go gonna, through and name each, what religion each of those represents? Sure. Go right ahead. Okay. Animism, uh, Confucianism. I would argue that that's uh, Egyptian. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, yeah. Definitely Greek. I would argue Roman. That guy is the one that I would. I don't know about. Which one? The one with the sword? The, no, the, the one, spear? No, the one next to her. That one. I don't really know. Maybe. Uh, and that's more of a, a general pagan. I would actually go with pagan Wicca. Right, right, right. I, I don't disagree with any of those. Um, Druidism. Druidism, yeah. The other thing I didn't like uh, the, I didn't like about this, when you saw the coin drop off of his yes yeah didn't did that make you think of anything else from books in the last thirty years? The last coin by James Blaylock. No, it wasn't. No. 
I, I saw Spawn's uh, counter going down. Oh, well, I mean, because, he, well, because there's an expiration on him now. Yeah. Which I... I, I the thing is, when the I thing saw that, that first time, I saw it in Spawn, I'm going... The wow, thing that made the Phantom Stranger work is there is no there is no explanation. He's a force, right? Okay. And by trying to tie him into religion by going, by going wink, wink, we're not really, but we are. Right. We are. You're offending everybody. Yeah. Because come out and say it. The thing is, like the 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 great, the truly great Spectre series that uh, Tom Mandrake illustrated with John Ostrander writing. That I really want. I want an omnibus of that, well, like the Starman nice. omnibus. In the 90s, yeah. where it was about his Jim Corrigan surviving his guilt, his, uh, you know, that came out, was absolutely clear, and I, I probably it's said this on the... It's hard to write the Spectre. I, mean, I, I can I, imagine I, it's very hard to write the Spectre, because he is so powerful, and it's like writing... But the, they found the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Is that the Spectre had to be tied to a human. You have to, to take it back into... He had the, to be tied to a human, and the right. human had emotional weaknesses, and that was the problem. Right. And there are stories in that... In that, in that, I think like sixty-seven issues that just moved me incredibly, and they went ahead and and I would say honestly, and this may be ridiculous, but because I found John Ostrander's truth-telling in that series, his insight into human nature, so good, um, that series. This is going to be a, the weirdest thing I've ever said on this podcast. If I've never said it before, is when I explored and ultimately converted to Mormonism. One of the things was the explanation in uh, in John Ostrander's Spectre isn't that far off from Mormon cosmology, and so I mm. kind of went, "Okay, I'm already kind of there." You're buying it, okay? I, yeah, I could that. accept that, and that's what I told as I told the missionaries was, "I accept that." Um, for those who are curious, I, I guess you would call me Jack at this point. I say I call myself Christian. I am no longer active in the Mormon Church, but. I respect the religion to you know certainly, um, but um, and, you know, and, and nothing we've. But I the think thing we is, we all agree nothing we've said in any of this is just you know, is no. meant to be disrespectful to anyone's no. religious beliefs. But that, but that's my point is that in the nineties you could say very specifically, and maybe maybe in Dan Dio's and Jeff Johns' defense in two thousand twelve, you can't have an honest discussion in a mainstream thing about religion in an entertainment. You can't do it unless you actually are the hardcore Christian, perhaps, unless you're Kirk Cameron making a very pedantic, didactic movie. Mm. But 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you could have that discussion in a right. comic book. You, you could, could strap have a, a guy up on the wing of an airplane and make him look like he was being crucified. Y yes, that was in the, the 70s, the right. Green Lantern, Green Arrow. But that you could you could have the specter be the literal wrath of God. Yes, and that's who he was. Yep. He, the specter was the was the person who had killed, uh, who had gone through in ancient Egypt and killed the firstborn sons, and had brought the the blood and the frogs and all that. He was God's wrath. And then when Jesus appeared, that was the definition. There was no room for God's wrath to be running unfettered, and so it had to be tied into some into something else, to a human host. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, then they gave that explanation to Eclipso, that Eclipso was another aspect of, of, oh, yeah. of God's persona. 
all these things, and I go back to Alan Moore was the guy who first said it. Look, you know, I mean, because in Swamp Thing, the journey to hell, there was the hand, God's hand was there, which, by the way, in the Bible, that's pretty much all you're allowed to see. And in the Book of Mormon, that's all you're, that anyone was and allowed to Stephen see. And in Stephen King's The Stand, that's all you can I'm see. That's true. No, I mean, with the, I mean, because it's a lot of uh, what would archetypal, what right. would uh, Jungian say, the, the collective unconscious, that that image is one that we're okay with. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it repeats in, mytho- I don't want to say mythologies, in literatures over and over. Sure. And those were honest discussions. This mm-hmm. is so coy and so copied, and the Phantom Stranger is so pointless to his own, and it's going to be an right. ongoing series, which I'm probably going to buy three issues, and then I'm going to be mad that this is like like how Marvel's bobbled Howard the Duck, that I'm like, why am I buying this when I love the character so much? What's really sad here is it's obviously gone, they've obviously given it a lot of, and I'm going to say thought, even though I consider yeah. it ill-considered thought, that they've tried to make this book Someone has obviously done this to bring it into current, yes, current thought. Current, current. They want to. They want to make it appeal to the current reader, and they've diminished the character immensely. Possibly when the character first appeared, he was host of an anthology. It was like the shadow. Yeah, you know. And then there was this thing where he was he was at odds with Doctor Thirteen, another character who hasn't survived into this modern. Actually, he's in Weird Western. Is he great? Terrence, thir- Terrence, Terrence thirteen, his, his, and there his was even, ancestor, and there was a, well, and there was an implication in the early Phantom Stranger issues that the Phantom Stranger knew Doctor Thirteen longer than Doctor Thirteen realized, because mm. he would call him Terry, and he would be like on a very familiar basis in a way that he wasn't with other people, um, and maybe that's just maybe that was originally sloppy writing, but it gave you something to play with and chew with, you know, yeah. And and then it kind of evolved. Then he was hanging out with teens and rescuing the them. Scooby, and he had the blind of the Scooby kids. gang. Yeah. And wasn't, wasn't he teamed with Doctor Fate at one point? The Phantom Stranger? No, 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 no. No, the Phantom Stranger. I remember uh, just thinking of a DC present, but I know there was. A, there there might have been a, t- a single team up, but Doctor Fate was with uh, our did, man. Did our he man. create a bit of a mythology with the villains that he was fighting at the time? There were some Lilith. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lilith has won. Um, what is it? She showed up in Justice League um, Unlimited uh, in the animated series. Oh, really? Uh, what is her name? Talia. Talia. Uh, oh, no, Tala. Just Tala. Yeah. Uh, not, not the I think that's of, the one I'm thinking yeah, of. Not the daughter of Ross Agul, but another, uh, yes. Tala. And, uh, and there's a wizard, oh, not Wotan, that's Dr. Fate's enemy. Um, but there's a guy seeking immortality that has come up back. Uh, you know, yes, all of yeah. that would have been covered in my pitch. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, because he does, he does have a couple of arch foes. Uh, but then there's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to get too bogged down. We will probably already have, but but it, it is one of those characters that I just love, and uh, because of what's not explained. And I admit, I've been thinking about this a lot. The older I get, yeah, I'll admit to being older that. The more I like the stories that don't resolve, like I love the way Stephen King ends The Dark Tower, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I love the way Cell ends. And I think and I'm really enjoying the work of, say, Greg, novelist Gregory McGuire, who wrote Wicked, mm-hmm. um, that these are writers who have come to appreciate that life does not have certainty right. and it doesn't wrap things up. And so a character like the Phantom Stranger, just to know that there's a force we don't know everything about. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I think a lot of our pop culture needs everything absolutely, absolutely defined. And I think it diminishes characters 
the more detail you give, you're thinking it's sure. paradoxical. You're giving them, you're trying to give them more detail, trying to make them more tied in so that modern storytelling can go, yeah. yeah. But also go back to what Grant Morrison said. When when a kid kid picks up his first comic book, he just wants that story. He doesn't need to know. He's yeah. not going to be the one arguing, why hasn't Bat- Bruce Wayne ever aged? You know, why is he hanging around? It's just, I like the idea of Batman and Robin. You know, I have to say, I have uh, the first four seasons of Lost on DVD, and I have no desire to go back and watch any of that now that I've seen how it all ends. Because it was once you know it's gone. Because once I once I know how that all ends, it's like I... The I have whole, the fifth season, which I'll never watch. Yeah. I should just sell it. Yeah, it was I'll, just... I'll take it. It was just pointless. I should just sell it. Uh, but, but, but I'll take it. I know. Um, so... Let's move on. Let's move on to on the other well, side. We should say if you if you're curious about the Phantom Stranger, go out and buy the showcase. The showcase yes. collection. Yes. The showcase. It's complete. It's everything up until this the is 90s. Great reading. The Vertigo. Uh, there was a Vertigo miniseries. Uh, I think it was a miniseries, or maybe it was just a one shot that has not been reprinted. And he's made some appearances. He was part of Shadow Pact, or he yeah. danced yeah. around Shadow Pact, and the very weird, and yet in hindsight. Better than a lot that's on the stand today, the J.M. De Mateus uh, Spectre series oh, yeah. when Hal Jordan was the Spectre. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Phantom Stranger was in there. Yeah. Um, and read read his entry in uh, Who's Who because it is actually one of the better ones. It's uh, It says almost nothing. Who's Who in the DC who's Universe. Who's in the yeah. DC Universe, yes. It says almost nothing. And yet at the same time, it tells you everything you need All to know. All you need to know about yes. the Phantom Stranger. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, so, those, those are very cheap books too, like ten dollars a volume. So uh, fifteen, fifteen. 15 not really. But if you, you know, but if you go to Amazon, probably ten dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll we'll probably put that link up. Uh, so I, I do want to talk about one little thing because we just mentioned Alan Moore. His daughter has a book out this week. Oh. Leah Moore and her husband John Repian, oh. uh, writing a book for uh, well, not I mean, they've got other books too. They're doing the Sherlock Holmes revival at Dynamite. Mm-hmm. For Dynamite, they've taken J. Scott Campbell's sexy uh, prince, fairy tale princess drawings, which I believe you have a calendar of, uh-huh. uh, and turned it into an ongoing title called Damsels. Mm-hmm. So the first issue of Damsels came out today, and I, I'm not so sure I'm going to pursue. I'm going to give it my standard three issues okay. uh, to see if it goes someplace. I do want to say, while I wasn't exactly gripped, I was rather impressed that in a world in which we have fairy tale retellings such as the Xenoscope, let's face it, softcore porn versions of all of it. <laughs> you've got fables. They pretend yes, to be softcore. Which porn. I love. Um, you've got Once Upon a Time on television and Grimm on television mm-hmm. that J- Leah Moore and John Repian managed to find a clever enough twist that uh that the that that okay it's their own way into it it's familiar and yet not and uh so it's interesting the art's pretty good j scott campbell only does the cover it's not Mm. his his interiors but i thought uh, you know interesting and the thing with damsels is there it's not the male characters no male fairy tale characters there at all except for the blind prince from rapunzel Hmm. So if men appear, they're weakened. So it really is a feminist, which I'm not so sure the other fairy tale retellings have done, although there are strong women in them. 
this is truly a femi- uh, from a feminist uh There's a novel viewpoint. series that's done the same thing. I'm trying to remember the name of yeah. it. He was in, didn't he get a Hugo Hugo nomination or a win? Yeah, um what is that? It's like uh it's like Snow White and uh Sleeping Beauty and um Cinderella, but they're yeah. They're like I can't even tell you yet who all of the damsels will be. I know that Rapunzel is yeah. very clearly involved. I think Sleeping Beauty will be involved. I'm pretty sure the Little Mermaid is one of the characters they've thrown in yeah, there. Yeah, I think you're, you're correct. Um, but, I mean, saying from the plot itself is that, that is, that's there. But they didn't come out and call her Ariel, or the, or I wouldn't even know if that was what Hans Christian Andersen called her. But um, So it, it's interesting. It's it's a little different. And back to our idea, despite the fact that it's got the cheesecakey covers, that's not the interior at all. Uh-huh. And so, again, back to if you're a tween girl looking for something – Oh shoot! And I forgot to bring. I'm speaking of tween girl books. Uh, that uh, if you, you're looking for something for the tween girl to read or the 14 year old girl, I think that damsels might just be a book that'll capture their imagination, sure. especially if they like fables. It's another take on it, a different take on it. I know a lot of people like once uh, once upon a time. Is it fables is pretty adult at times, though. I mean, yes, it is. And so I'd say if you yeah. have a girl who's 13 or 14, so far I don't think this is going there. Okay, I think it's going to be more of appropriate for young teens. Okay. And mm-hmm. and very much a girl power kind of thing. Uh, so I'm going to give it a shot. I'm saying I'm going to give it into three issues, okay. and we'll see. Um, I did want to say that uh, before we get to Marvel now, Scholastic released a bunch of stuff. I got a huge package from Scholastic last week. Uh, a new Doug Ten Naple uh, book called Cardboard. What has he done? Uh, or he created Earthworm Jim. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, but yes, why yes. I love, and I owe him a note because... Um, I have absolutely loved his work. Uh, he did <coughs> last year a graphic novel called Bad Island, which was really cool. Um, and they're all young adult. I mean, or you know, like appropriate for kids and and teens. Um, and often with teen pro- protagonists. Two years ago, a book called Ghostopolis about a kid who goes to the to the other side and he's able to travel back and forth between living and the dead, and time flows differently. And he meets a variety of different. It's really I, I don't want to – I have to reread it, but it was it was really good. And uh, Creature Tech, uh, a while back, probably the best graphic novel set in Turlock, California. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's a that's a pretty heavy I think he uh, lives category. in central California, and he creates other – so – but he's just an interesting, interesting creator, and he's Even doing a web – Even better than Central Valley Avengers? Yes. Uh, he's doing a uh, – he does a, an online comic called uh, Rat Fist about a superhero, a rat-based superhero who actually is turning into a giant rat. And um, he's just really creative. Uh, but I gave it to my daughter, and I was hoping she would uh, – had a chance to review it, but she, she did not. But um, – but she loved it. And then we got a book called Drama, which is about a middle school drama club from the uh, cartoonist who did the book Smile last year about her experiences in high school having braces. And I'm sorry that I'm totally blanking on her on her name. But I will write something up for the site because Scholastic, we've mentioned this before, Scholastic has this graphics line, G-R-A-P-H-I-X. And they're just devoted to putting out these really cool alternative to what the comic book stores are selling, graphic novels. And they're acquiring the art and doing the first publication. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that reprinted Bone. Yeah. And so, and actually I went to this bookstore in Los Altos, Linden Tree, which I got to give a shout out because I didn't know this 
bookstore existed in downtown Los Altos. Children's children's books and young adult books. Uh-huh. And knowledgeable as heck, got into this great conversation with the clerk about Jeff Smith because I picked up the late, the second Bone novel uh-huh. that just that just came out. And you know, I mean, it, it's there's a there's a huge bookcase full of Scholastic graphic novels. And where's and this place again? Is Linden Tree is in Los Al- Linden Tree Books is in Los Altos, downtown okay. Los Altos. And I give a shout out because it's an independent bookstore devoted to children's literature, but they've included that to young adult. And there is one bookcase of adult novels. So if you you know you go, um, so there's you know thousands of Twilight knockoffs, but that's okay because it's just getting people kids reading. Yeah. And uh, I picked up Kingdom Keepers, that Ridley Pearson book set in a futuristic Disney world. So bought the first first novel in that, but I was re- I can't remember which cartoonist I was reading is saying you know like there's this thriving kids comics market, it's not in the comic shops, hmm. it's through people like Scholastic going into Barnes and Noble and doing and independent novels. children's bookstores and doing these direct graphic novels and kids are eating it up. There's a great series called Amulet. I also got the latest volume of that uh, from Scholastic and. They're You're going to do an article on this then, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's just like, and, and I take it back to, you know, Dan over slave labor. You know, I mean, the, the Pinocchio Vampire Hunter, though that's sort of been in the in the bookstores. But they've got a couple of kids' books that are like, yeah. they're weird, they're out there. But that's what made manga, so, and, and I realized for me why manga was slow for me to to get into because it's, Different. you know, I was used to reading one thing. Yeah. But there's this th- huge thriving market that people aren't really aware of or our people aren't aware of but people that need to read them they're getting it just fine well you're getting it they're getting it through their kids are getting it through school yeah we're just not aware of the scholastic book clubs yeah 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 um so let's talk about marvel now you want to talk about that and to go back to the mainstream so the marvel uh, website this week uh did tip their hats to the uh god it looks like it was about 18 titles i don't know um well, but they're going to reveal these slowly. It's not like yeah, DC, it's over the next might... couple of months. So they're oh, all months. brand new number ones, and we've talked a little bit about an Uncanny Avengers. It's Remender and Cassidy, and it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Cap, two great, two great writers, and Cap, Thor, Scarlet Witch, Havoc, Havoc and Rogue, and it's that sounds like a great. But book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I, I'm just gonna do uh, like a Lon Lopez snap judgment okay. without having read it. Okay, my problem with a lot of these series is. That they seem like the FF book. Uh huh. They're a storyline. They're not a title. The Justice League of America thing over at DC. It's a storyline. It's not a title. It's and an you know, event. I think that's what aren't a lot of books just going that way though. Yeah, it's it's. I think so, but that's just it. it I'm I'm seeing the same thing with TV series though yeah. this season. It's like, well, that's a premise that it's a season. It's a miniseries. Or and, is, and a lot of these, and I don't think there's, you know, there's a big difference. And I don't mind that, but I wish they wouldn't pretend otherwise. Yeah, if, they, if they plotted them out that way. I didn't read that. If they said, that, if they right. said to themselves, this is how we're going to do it. It's an arc. We're going to have this, this, we'll have this climax and this climax, and then it'll be over. It's more the way that the British do TV shows. Where right. they don't try and do twenty three episodes, we got, we got a solid eight well, stories. Well, this we can is why tell. DC is started, and I don't know what's going to happen. What's happening now with that Earth One graphic novel series? That, yeah. that was the idea. That was supposed to be aimed at bookstores. Superman Earth One Volume Two is coming in a couple of months. Man, I just read the Batman one. That was what good. a great book that was. So once again, here I am, Jeff Johns. Oh my God, that Batman was a fantastic because it's a self contained 
Batman story, when as long as he's not playing in anybody else's sandbox. And you, the best part of it was Bruce Wayne and Alfred. Yeah. It's, it has nothing to do with Batman. I can't rave about that graphic novel enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead and try. No, I already have a <laughs> couple of times. I, no, I mean, it is. Warner Brothers needs to just take it. That needs to be the next Batman film. Really? You want to reboot it. Yeah. If you, uh, you or, or rather take that relationship, take that history that is established in that book, because right. I don't think we need to see Batman's origin again. But this is the status quo. There's no, there, there's no question to it. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is just, it is that good. So back to Marvel. Let's go back to Marvel. Sorry. So, um, one of the, Jeff Johns couldn't find a foothold. One of the world. weird ones that uh, it sounds like is the all-new X-Men, which it sounds like we've had that all-new X-Men before, but this we one... Did is more of a, it's the X-Men from when they were kids brought forward into right. the future. First class. And not knowing, you know, they're out of their time and they're X-Men. Yes. And I that that just seems, it's either going to be great or it's going to blow up. Well, because that face. worked so well when they did that to Iron Man. I think I brought up that point before. Yeah. So the next one would be a Team pl- Tony. A plus X, which is a team-up book. Of X-Men and Avengers. The first one is Wolverine the Hulk, and then you've got Cap and Cable. That one seems a little bit weak. The team up That seems like a Fox sitcom. Cap yeah. and Cable. Cap and Cable. Felix hey, and Cap. Oscar. <laughs> so, but, or something could happen to you in prison. I got the old Cap and Cable. Now, now, <laughs> ooh, ooh. So here, here is, uh, here's where we start to hit gold, I think. Nickel back in Chino. New Avengers, number one, Hickman and Epting. Avengers number one, Hickman and Opina, who I don't know that I know that one. He's a good artist. But the uh, the Avengers, the new Avengers looks like it's going to be Earthbound, and the Avengers is going to be more galactic. Okay. Space. Space. And then, here's the one that really sounds crazy. Captain America number one. It's more of a sci-fi bent cap in another world, Dimension Z. So he's not, he's he's off somewhere else. That one actually, that one doesn't. That one appeals. I'm giving you the uh, the very distilled. That one sounds kind of neat. Um, I talked to you about this over dinner. Deadpool number one is apparently Deadpool versus various dead presidents. Which, okay, if you've read any of the Deadpool stuff, Deadpool uh, versus uh, Millard Fillmore. Exactly. Exactly. I'm studying that right now. <laughs> uh, yes. Then, like we have Hickman going into the into the Avengers, we've got Matt Fraction. Woohoo! Doing the Fantastic Four stuff. Which is going to be great. So, Faction Bagley doing Fantastic Four number one. Here's the pitch. Four adults, two kids, one car. Car is in quotation marks. And then the tagline, infinite time and space. Sound like anybody you know? Doctor Who. Sounds like they're just going to be rambling around. I was going to say the great space coaster. Rambling through time and space with the Fantastic Four family. Or actually seven. So, well, six at least. Um, but that leaves us with Earth, where we have F, and it's a capital F, lowercase f, number one, which is the substitute Fantastic Four. Again, done by a faction and Mike, Mike Alred. Now, when you've got yes, Alred on a book, I know, I know. you already know how this is going to go. But it's Ant-Man, Medusa, She-Hulk, and Miss Thing. All four of whom have been members of the Fantastic Four. I, I know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then we've got uh, Indestructible Hulk, number one, Mark Wade That's and Mark Wade one, you. Yeah. Um, uh, Lionel you, not me. Not you. <laughs> no. Not but you the either. Team, but the team from uh, Superman Birthright, right. one of the best Superman graphic novels. And ever. they ramble on a lot about, in the in the paragraph description about it's the world's smartest man and the most indestructible weapon on the planet. But the last line is the kicker. Hulk is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which, actually, one of my favorite Hulk runs was was Smart Hulk um, when he was, uh, when he had the... Um, the Pantheon. Yeah, the when part of the yes. Pantheon. Was that when he was wearing the suit? Yeah. Yes. I loved that. I love that series. Peter David. That's right. So we got Iron Man with Gillen and Land... And it sounds like they're bringing Extremist Virus back in for a storyline. I I really should read that. You should. Re- you've never read the original Extremist. I actually have the Extremist okay. on my phone. Okay. And I have read only the first issue. It's a good series. Yeah, I have it. Okay. Uh, Thor. It's just hard for me to read those tiny little panels. Thor, God of Thunder, number one. Aaron and Ribic. Uh, and it's more big stories. Uh, yeah, but you know, Asad Ribic is is a good artist. He's the one who did Thor Blood Brothers, very Thor and Loki. Yeah. But Jason Aaron is the guy that that destroyed Nate's soul last week with a with horrible Hulk storyline. This this also seems like it could be uh, this could be going places no, where not. where Thor probably should have gone earlier, but maybe never should go, which is going to deal with the whole worship issue and the gods and stuff. Uh, what's his name? Dan uh, the guy that's. Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens did that actually uh-huh. for a while. They created yeah. a cult of Thor over New York City. Oh, this has to do with like worshippers falling off and anyway. Um and then Again, we've got a great idea for a storyline. Yeah. Well, and then Jurgens is like this. Half of his stuff is awful. The other half I really love. No, I know, but Jurgens is over DC right now. That's that's not it, it that's not who's dealing with this Thor thing. I just Jurgens did that in the nineties. Oh, I see. And the last one they've announced is X-Men Legacy Number 1. And now Legacy is a book where they took the original X-Men book and storyline and changed it to X-Men Legacy. And they were trying to keep the, the main core. I mean, when they changed that, that titling over. So now this is a new X-Men Legacy. Mm-hmm. And the uh, it's uh, Spurrier, Del Mundo, and Huet, H-U-A-T. Oh, um, Tanang Huat. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Oh. He drew the the Doom Patrol revival yeah. of Wild. Yeah, that back. was great. Um, that interesting art style. art style. I'm not. I'm. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but again, it's one of those where he's consistent. It's interesting. It's different. It reminds me it. of Umberto Ramos, sort of with a touch of. Yeah, um, but I don't like Umberto Ramos as much as I like Tanangua. Mm. Interesting. I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. So yeah. the uh, this brings back Professor Xavier, which he has not been a strong character in the X Men books of late, and. Um, his son Legion, and Legion oh. is, Legion is able to manipulate the fabric of reality. Right, remember? right. No familiar with that. So, me. is can Legion conquer his demons and be an X Man? So we'll see. That could be interesting. Right. So that's. I mean, this is the this is the new fifty two eighteen for Marvel real and the revamp uh, renumbering. But again, um, the difference is they're rolling them out slowly over the next six yeah. or seven months. It's not going to be. You try one if you just. Dis- discard it it's a slow sucking in of your money and they, before well, you know it you're committed to 18 books but you didn't notice it it just happened they don't like really see frog in a cold pan of water absolutely thank you it is my <laughs> favorite analogy <laughs> it's it's not it doesn't seem like as much of a reboot as as it is just a repositioning now, nothing of, is a reboot nothing yeah. is a reboot they don't do that yeah 
And I wish DC could borrow that a little bit. Although, you know, like Carr said, D'Angelo said uh, of Earth 2, uh, comics out in Sherman Oaks and Northridge mentioned uh, to me, it's like, you know, DC is stuck in the 40s. Yeah. Their hero base comes from the 40s and Marvel's the 60s. So Marvel doesn't have quite as far, but the, Mar- and that's why it's Marvel now to say it's not the 60s. It's a re- it's a repositioning that will be more in line with, oh, that's even wilder than the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of the movie, I do have one piece of movie news came out from Iron Man. Is apparently uh, Marvel uh, Studios has uh, has been carefully registering the websites, the URLs, and some toy licensing for Iron Patriot. So the character that, that they that leaked, we said, "Oh, that's the Iron Patriot," and they said, "No, no, it's just Rhodey wearing a different color of armor," uh, which it may be. It's the, it's Iron it's Patriot. Iron Patriot. It is Iron Patriot. So uh, that'll be an Iron Man three, who apparently you know no footage was there from that weird Avengers re-release over the weekend. Uh, did anybody go to see that? No, no. I heard rumor, and if this was true, I thought it was really cool. But nobody confirmed this for me. Didn't Salazar go see it? Salazar did, uh, but I saw. I went to a, a nameless website that is not as cool as it says in its name. Uh, and in the talk back, somebody said, other than the extra footage of uh, Hugh Jackman and Andrew Garfield saying they th- wished the the Avengers had, had a little, could have used a little more help. Uh, and I thought, I don't know if that was somebody joking or not, because it's the only reference I saw to that being uh-huh. extra footage. And if that was true, that'd be really cool, but I don't know. And when I put it out there over the weekend, like, has anybody seen it? Because I'll take my kids if there's something new. But nobody, nobody came back and said there was anything new. So I was like, yeah, I was hoping there was something Iron Man three ish, but no. Um, I don't think you'd really have to dig for that news if it was. If yeah, was no, no, no. I you know by this point because yeah. it, because it's just getting ready for that twenty fifth uh, for the release of the Blu Ray right. slash DVD right. on September twenty fifth. And do want to say that uh, Jim Carrey has joined. It's not a Marvel character it's per se, although Marvel p- publishes the book right now. Is playing a character in Kick-Ass 2. So kind of a small but pivotal role. And Mark Miller. So I wish I said because I haven't read Kick-Ass 2 yet. I read the first one but I haven't read the second one. That it's it's superhero who kind of galvanizes the team. Colonel. I want to say it's Colonel Stripe. But I think that's like too simplistic a thing. But that Mark Millar said it was kind of like uh, how uh, Nicolas Cage changed the energy of who Big Daddy was from the comic book. Which uh-huh. admittedly the comic yeah really not that good. You know, a character not as clever as, but I'd seen the movie first, and the right. movie version was really good. I, you know, I love what Nick Cage did to it. Mm-hmm. So Jim Carrey's kind of poised to do something similar good. in terms of energy to that film. So before we turn to some television, let us, we've got you here. Let's talk about that. The Hugo Awards, Worldcon. You just got back from Chicago. Just got back. I realize we're probably running What is this Worldcon of which you speak? Well, it's a World Science Fiction Convention held yearly uh, since 1947. Or 46, and a couple before that, uh, since 1939, uh, skipping a little thing called World War II. Uh, that got <laughs> I know. so much. Um, this year it was in Chicago at the beautiful Hyatt Regency, and uh, I was up for four Hugos, and I lost four Hugos. Wow. I know. Uh, is that a record for you? Uh, that is a in record. In one year? That is a record for anybody. Really? Here's the funnier thing. Wow. You are a record. You ran and and what? I feel bad because the new me wants to be supportive. But <laughs> not only that, he, 
<laughs> he was running against himself in one category. In one category. What? I lost to you? Me. I've told you. No, you are your own worst enemy. He, both of him lost to him. Yes, both of me lost to me. Um, I lost, but I did lose to Neil Gaiman. Um, okay. Which was... You know, that's that's not slouchy. Yeah. Uh, what the impressive thing is, is before it, we did a series of photographs, because they take photos of all the nominees. And so the category I was in was up against Remedial Chaos Theory from uh, Community. Yes. Uh, the Doctor's Wife, and then us, and then two other Doctor Who episodes. So it was me, my buddy James, Neil Gaiman, Dan Harmon, and Chris McKenna. My friend Liz Batty cut out beards, like the ones they use from the darkest timeline. And there's a photo of me, Dan Harmon, Chris McKenna, Neil Gaiman, and James wearing the darkest timeline beards. Okay, let's be fair. The the mirror, mirror, Spock beards. <laughs> yes, mirror, okay, mirror, Spock don't beards. pretend. Hey, Abed is Batman now. The, the, but, uh, the funny thing about that picture is I didn't realize how short Neil Gaiman was. Neil Gaiman looks like he should be a tall, gangly guy. He is not. He is not. He is no. a short little guy. Yeah. I've had a drink with him. I, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But some of the some of the award winners this year were excellent, I thought. Um, Mo Starkey, a Bay Area fan artist. Does uh, I've, a lot been on, of, I've been on panels with Mo. Yes, does a lot of covers for the drink tank. Some people say I discovered her, but she's been doing art for decades no uh, she's a, she is in tomb of dracula she worked for marvel in the 80s yes so. she did yep. so uh very glad that she's been doing work for me and she won her hugo and i just exploded with joy yeah um, it was one of the great moments john picaccio who did the uh the song of fire and ice uh, calendar mm-hmm. uh won a hugo his first a good buddy of mine also uh of course neil gaiman the Game of Thrones won for best long form so george r, r. martin mm-hmm. who knows my name just saying. Okay. Um, but the best podcast, or what we call the fan cast this year, was uh, SF Squeecast. I don't know if you've listened to this. I've listened to a little bit of it. It's uh, Lynn Thomas who edited uh, a lot of the Chicks Dig, Chicks Dig, Joss Whedon, Chicks Dig, uh, mm-hmm. the yeah. Time Lords. Um, Whatever. Screw them. They yes. with us. Okay. Uh, no, no, Paul no, Cornell, no. Kat Valenti, who introduced herself to me because she wanted to meet me, which makes me happy. Um, and local favorite Shauna McGuire uh, won for best fan cast. And that to me was spectacular. That's a lot of fun. The episode I was listening to, only three of them were on it. I think mm-hmm. was, it was Shauna wasn't is, on it. Uh, yeah. Is Paul Cornell local to the Bay Area now? I No. No. He's, he's still the UK. Okay. Yes. Um, but uh, it was really it was really an impressive. Right, track him down. Yeah. Huge number of uh, winners were there. It was great. Um the best novel was Joe Walton, who I'm the fan guest of honor when she's writer guest of honor at SF Contario in Toronto this year. Uh, one for her book, Among Others, which is really a spectacular sort of love letter uh, to uh, late 70s, early 80s fandom. And it's a discussion of how one girl sort of tried to get out of her, basically her dark fantasy life uh, by going into science fiction and trying to find her cross that, uh, you know, that false family from Vonnegut and all. It just, it was a, a book that actually had me crying on an airplane, which I'm glad I didn't reach for my shoes because the air marshal would have, like, tackled me. No. Um, but I like that as a memoir title, Crying on an Airplane. Crying on an Airplane. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Worldcon itself was great. I did a great panel with a Doctor Who prop maker, a Muppeteer, and a guy from uh, Wedded Digital who happens to be a buddy of mine. Uh, did a, there were a lot of great panels? George R. R. Martin drew huge crowds. Of Any course. idea how many people were there this year? I, I don't know actually. Oh. Um, I want to say it was five five thousand or somewhere around there. Okay. Story Musgrave, a guy who walked on the freaking moon. He was one of the guests of honor, huh. along with John Scalzi. Can I say this? Can you confirm an urban myth that I've been hearing? And it, I can. And, and I love this. Is this is true? That Neil Armstrong 
before he died, obviously, yes, uh, would tell yes. really bad jokes yes. about being the, on the moon, moon, about being on the moon, and when nobody laughed, would say, "I guess you had to be there." Yes, he yes, really that did is that. True. That guy, already a huge hero to me, just shot way up because that's the funniest damn thing I've heard in years. Uh, um, so, and that's a bit that has been stolen by uh, the other guy who was on 30 Rock, uh, Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin. That has done the same thing. Um, well, that's all right. He was there. He was there. He was <laughs> the only other guy who can tell that joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really impressive convention. Every major writer and most of the minor writers in the world were there. Um, just a spectacular time. And the Hugos themselves, great. I came in second. That was my best finish. Do, uh, are the Hugos, do you have to be there to vote? No. No, you can okay. vote ahead of time. Yeah, okay. you, as long as you're at least a supporter. So like member. Eisner's and Harvey's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the way, the way, these yeah. things get voted on years ahead of time by, by people who are, Either supporting or so we have members. so we have already lost 2013, 14, and fifteen. Not Hugo quite. Awards, which not saying. yet. No, no, you only vote. The, oh, not is, yet. Okay. What nice. Yes. Oh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> we we, we should mention that we were nominated for the fan cast category, and we did quite nicely for a podcast that doesn't advertise and, and you know has. We have a nice. We love all of our fans. We just want to tell you that if you're if you're a member of the Hugo. Uh, if you are supporting or attending member of the Hugo, hey, we're, you can nominate us. We'd be very appreciative of it. We're going to campaign a little bit stronger this year. We came in nicely. We tied, yeah, you know, we you tied know. with the Nerdist for nominations this year. So, yeah, um, we, oh, that, that was a thrilling moment. For I want to yeah. say it was about uh, maybe top ten, either top ten or top twelve finish. We were in the top ten because yeah. I was out with some normals on Sunday night. Normals, you say? Muggles, uh -huh. if you will. Uh, and I got your text or your tweet, mm -hmm. but it showed up on my phone saying we've gotten 18 nominations, which is not the same thing as it, it's equivalent to vote, sort of like, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's the cognoscenti of, okay. of it's pre-vote. And, and it's like the electoral college. I'm scrambling to text Rick, like, to get explanation as to, was that good? I don't know. I'm confused by this whole thing. I'm trying to tweet you back, like, what does that mean? And then to sit at the table with, with, with these muggles and say... Uh, yeah, like this is like one of those things. Like, and I because you say I, the best I can say is like the Oscars of sci-fi. Yeah, like yeah. I say when I try to describe the Eisners, it's sort of like the Oscars of comics. And say, exactly the fact that you get this close is well, that's certainly closer than I ever thought when I would go to the Little Professor bookstore uh, and uh, buy a book based on it said it was Hugo Award winning. You know, it's yes. like that was so to me as a child so arcane. And uh, and just way out of reach and logic. And then this is one of those moments. You gave me this moment Sunday night where I kind of went, life's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time I was up, um, the first time I was eligible was 2006. And the Worldcon was in L.A. And I got 21 votes. And I remember going, and it was, I think I was seventh on the ballot. And I remember that was for fanzine. That's for best fanzine. And I turned to Frank Wu and I said, "Hey, Frank, I almost, I almost got on the list." And Frank showed me his Hugo and said, "Did you see my rocket?" And and yeah. folks, that's not a euphemism. <laughs> no. Wait, what? No, we. Um, yeah, I never get tired of that joke. Um, one of the great things about Worldcon was that we did a uh, writers under glass in the fanzine lounge, 
where you'd have a writer come you, for you half. You did let them out, right? Yes. Okay. You'd have a writer. They would come and write for 30 minutes on my laptop, and they would do one continuous novel. You mean laptop computer, right? Yes, that's yes, right. yes. Oh, from, from writer to writer? writer? Yeah, from writer to writer oh, to writer. Nice. With no discussion between them. They did that's get to so read so much what better than the before. chocolate alphabet. Yes. Um, amazingly, got guys like Bill Willingham, uh, Charles Strauss, uh, S.J. Chambers, a wonderful, wonderful writer. Um, there was someone else who was really impressive. Uh, a bunch of local folk who I enjoy. But uh, these were like serious, hardcore writers. Laura Resnick, uh, you know, writing these great, great things in 30-minute chunks. And the story is best described as Lovecraftian metaphysics. Um, is this going to be in Journey Planet or in no, Drink Tank? This is actually going to be auctioned off for the fan fund. So there's going to be one print copy made. Only one? And a PDF is going to be sent out to all the contributors. And maybe people who donate to the fund. We haven't decided that yet. Dude. But, yes, um, it's really, really cool. And uh, it was one of the best parts getting to actually get people to come into the lounge and shaking their hands. That and uh, Dave Hartwell, the editor at one of the editors at Tor. And, that uh, does sound really cool. And I like the fact that it's going to go up for auction for charity and yes, or for for fan fund, which yeah. is, which is fan fund again is to uh, send, a, send fans to yeah. conventions who you know, send otherwise. fans from the U.S. to either Australia for Duff or to the U.K. or Europe for TAF, which is what I won in two thousand eight. Uh, and that has really, it really has changed lives. Um, does sound I, like beers from uh, The Simpsons. Yes, it does. It does. It does. <laughs> all, right. all right. But yes, Worldcon, good stuff. Hope to see you all there next year in San Antonio. That's interesting. Might do that. Are we going to visit the uh, basement in the Alamo? Well, well, yeah. Okay. That's where the bike is. Okay, uh, should we talk a little about TV before we get to wrestling? Because wrestling is on TV. Yes. But we uh, last week, Doctor Who returned. Do we want to say anything more about that? I thought we, we ran a great review by Drew Simchik. Drew and I talked last There's night about it. only one semi-spoiler in it. Well, but you know, by the time that went up. I know. I'm just it, it's so hard to know. Hey, is, you know, I ran it on, on Tuesday I morning. I wasn't the one who pointed it No, you're not. No. It, it wasn't. It was... Uh, uh, I think it was, was it Andy Bates, Andy Bayatis. Um, one of the playwrights, I mean, this is kind of sad. It's like, well, I think it was one of the playwrights of this uh, 44 Plays for 44 Presidents project that I'm part yeah. of. And I felt bad, like, oh, yeah. Arguably, it's not even a spoiler, really, because... No, but it was kept It was kept very secret. Yeah. yeah. The doctor's doctorate is in... Doctoring. History. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, oh, that's a spoiler. That's what you're saying. Yes. yes. I see. That's so. It's all going to come crashing down. <laughs> no, he didn't actually get a PhD. That's the secret. Uh, so he's really just a master. <gasps> the, the master. master. <laughs> okay. All this time. Wow. Jinx. Buy me a coke. Damn it. Uh, so, uh, but it was it was good. We got a glimpse of the actress, if not the actual character. Maybe we did get the actual character. Who will be the next companion? I like the idea of fixing that character back. As I, I don't like the idea of. Pulling out of time before the tragic event. Yeah, I like the idea of some off. Well, fixing I don't it. like that because it's the same. It's essentially River Song. The first time we met River Song right. was her death. Right, and so we've already been there playing. Yeah, don't the don't be a one. I don't one, want to do that. One theme off. One trick pony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you tell me uh, last week. And I listened to it on the podcast, and I, I felt bad all over again. Really breaking to you the news of the of the suitcase. Yes. Uh, 
the DVD suitcase problem with the event with the you, you heard Avengers my heart assemble. I did. I caused your heartbreak. That uh, the special collector's case for all the the Avengers. Uh, all the Marvel movies building up to the, the Avengers. special collector's edition of all the Marvel movies. But it looks like, if I'm right, that it's going to happen in 2013. In the spring of 2013, which is still a long time as far as my heart is concerned to have it broken again, I'm sure. But there, the, apparently the articles that I've read say that it's going to be, it's going to have the Tesseract, which I wish they'd just call the Cosmic Cube. Uh, but it looks super cool in the photos that they've shown. Um, I would have that thing... Even if it's battery powered, I put new batteries in it every day so that it would sit there and glow at night. Trying so hard to alter reality. Yes. <laughs> be like every, you know, if, he, if his ears get pointed and his lower body turns into a giant cube. I'd be like Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life. You know, I, I wish I had a million dollars. Wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog. Hot dog. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Um, so so so, so that's uh, that's a ways off, and I did find out uh, just recently that uh, Captain America: The First Avenger is streaming on Netflix now. So I'll go yeah. and watch that without buying the DVD, the Blu-ray. No. Oh, you don't have the Blu-ray yet. I see that. No. That's my problem with this. Yeah. I have all of those. Actually, on I was I was Actually, lucky I enough I that the, I, the only two that I did buy were I bought the first and. Actually, I think I just bought the first Iron Man because it came in a really cool yeah, plastic I've seen, case. I've seen that on your, yeah. Um, but I didn't buy any of the other ones because I'd seen that I watched them in the theaters often enough that I didn't really feel yeah, like I needed okay. to watch it at home. All right. Well, we're still looking forward to that. Uh, we know, uh, by the way, November 8th is the release date now on Amazing Spider-Man for uh, Blu-ray. So that'll be interesting to kind of sit through. Uh, you didn't like it as much as I did. Yeah, uh, I but so. I think I'd like to see all those extras and so forth still waiting on uh, that killer clowns from outer space. Yes. And I just Woo-hoo. got confirmation today we will get a chance to look at FDR, American Badass. I have heard about that. Barry Bostwick is Franklin Delano Roosevelt werewolf hunter so i'm um, really looking forward to that book uh, that nice. movie so we'll have a, have a shot at that yep um I, and, they, and they still they've been, they've been coy about it but we might get a shot at somebody from the cast and in which way case we'll put that in as a podcast thing okay. um and there's something that we've talked about we you know nate says we're going to explode that's one of the things is try to get more guests on here whether it be yes. pre-recorded interviews or live if possible so we're gonna work on that so tell me about wrestling chris garcia Coming up, I believe it's next weekend, Yes, is Chikara Pro's big annual event, the King of Trios. Tell me who Chikara Pro is. Chikara Pro is you written a, false count in a, long time. A, a Eastern Coast-based wrestling promotion that does a combination of American wrestling, lucha, Japanese wrestling weirdness. It's, it's comedy and it's serious. It's really, really good stuff. They tell very complex stories in a very fun way is it subtitled no it's completely completely in english oh okay the uh so the king of trios they bring huge numbers of wrestlers in this year in particular search it out look go to chikarapro.com um the can you team, spell that for us c-h-i-k-a-r-a-p-r-o okay um this year's teams are incredible uh there's team wwf uh, which is the Warlord, the Barbarian, and uh, <laughs> Haku, 
Um, I want them to fight a WWF, which is all about preserving wildlife. wildlife. Yes, there's <laughs> Savage Panda. <laughs> yes, there's Team Extreme, old ECW guys, Jerry Lynn, Tommy Dreamer, uh, Too Cold Scorpio. There's this is their, weird. I actually recognize some of these names. I know. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> there's the Lightning Kid is going to be there. Uh, all these wrestlers and their own home talent, uh, the biggest of which being a guy by the name of uh, Mike Quackenbush, who has written for the Drink Tank, in fact. Um, just great teams from Japan. I think they have a team from Mexico. Um, they, they're one of the promotions that does males and females wrestling on the same cards. Ooh, those look good. Um, so well, in the you. same My matches. Mother asked for more. Mm-hmm. Uh. And so it's really a spectacular <laughs> show. Uh, but yeah, so that's going to be the big thing. What's amazing is that they do the shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday over three nights. Uh, and then by Tuesday morning, they have the DVDs available. So last year, I actually had mine shipped to me by Wednesday. Wow. It was amazing. Um, and the shows are great. Um, last year, what I consider to be the best match of all last year, uh, a wrestler, the generic luchador El Generico, uh, taking on the <laughs> his, Lightning Kid. His costume is all white with a with a barcode on. Well, the no, side. it's actually he's got it's red and black, but he is from uh, how do they pronounce it? Uh, from Montreal, Quebec, Mexico, because <laughs> he's Canadian. Um, and, you know, just awesome. It's going to be great stuff. And I highly, highly, highly recommend. So, again, it again, because I, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Is this, all, is this a pay-per-view thing? This is, um, it's not on pay-per-view. They do just do it on DVDs afterwards. It's just on DVDs. So, yeah. how, are you going to be able to see this ahead of the DVDs? Or are you just going to be able to buy the DVDs? I'm just going to be able to buy the DVDs. Okay. But I am very excited. But, I mean, so, we go to the website that is, again. Chicago. Pro.com or and King of Trios.com. King of Trios.com. Mm-hmm. And we can order right. the DVD. How much yeah. are the DVDs likely to be? I think they're like 40, $15 per d- night. Per night? Yeah. So multiple nights? Yeah. And the great thing is on the King of Trios website, it's all done like graphics from a Super Nintendo. Nice. So it's really, really right. cool. Awesome. Totally. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, so, oh, I should say one last thing on television. We've been talking about collection intervention. Yes, jerks. I watched the first episode. I just uh, which one? Did, which one did you watch? Star Wars and the Catwoman guy. Yes, yes. But next week, I want to say uh, that I can't remember what the topic is, but they will be visiting uh, the Goldbug Comics in Ooh. Manhattan Beach, Mike Wellman's ah. shop. So, Mike Wellman has been on the podcast, uh, and he's a good guy. Does. Uh, what is the name of that character? Super Afro? Something, I think. Um, Afro Avenger? No, 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 no. Oh, doggone it. But he's good friends with Rafael Navarro. They've worked together as well. Mike is just a super guy. Great shop. Gold Bug, Bug Comics in Manhattan Beach. And So uh, it's, worth, it's worth checking that show off anyway, but now no, we've got it, a double reason No, it is. I mean, to... I watched that show, and I'm just like, okay, now I know what you guys are talking about, and I'm just going to withdraw from all society. And I saw... <laughs> Somebody else is creating a third show. Oh, really? There's, a, there's another show. So you've got Collection coming. Intervention. You've got, you got Toy the Toy Hunter. Hunter. Mm-hmm. And well, they take it from different viewpoints. And then there's uh, there's one that's going to focus on the positive side of having the collection. It's all different angles, but it's all too close to being like, you know, I'm I personally, I'm okay with just the Toy Hunter. Because I, I, that's more fun to see, like, oh, he flips it, you're seeing that. Right, right, right. But, yeah, Collection Intervention was starting to make mm-hmm. me a little sad and feel it claustrophobic. Is, it, it, is, it is a little bit, you know, it's actually, the one thing about it is, 
because the stories don't always have a real happy ending, yeah. they feel that much more real. And the ones that do have a happy ending, like the one I just watched was a guy who actually reviews toys for a living. So he gets all these toys in for review, and he doesn't get rid of any of them. So he's got those all over his house, plus, plus his regular collection. Uh-huh. And his girlfriend wanted to move in with him, but there's no room for her. So he had to learn how to sell a bunch of his stuff. And he had gone to a comic book shop with a bunch. And so they show the apartment cleaned up after after he finally went through and started organizing. Yeah. So that was the there was I one think good. what bothers me is not that it's it's not that there's not a need for this. It's more like the, I do sort of recognize it's like, you know, like when they say with the Catwoman, the guy's hiding his collection. He's a hoarder. What are you going to do with all this? Yeah. It's your life, you know, and it's just kind of. But that's all of us. I mean, to yeah. some extent, it's like, what do you get rid of? You love these little tchotchkes and you love these little things. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of the times you look and they, they're looking through now a pile I'm of sad. stuff. They look through a pile of stuff and the guy's, you know, it's something he hasn't seen for years. And he's he's going through it looking to get yeah. rid of stuff. And so now he sees something that he had an emotional attachment. He still does have an emotional attachment. It hasn't been fired up since the last time he looked at this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's being asked to get rid I of it. I will admit, I was proud of the Catwoman guy when... And he sold that Michelle Pfeiffer bust. I felt that total like he's like, you yeah. know, and I could see that guy. I mean, that was a commitment to his wife, a commitment to a yep. to something akin to a to a healthy human relationship. Yes. But I also knew it was like, dude, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. yeah. The the worst of them then, I haven't seen any of those shows because there's also a web TV series that does the same thing. Oh, God. Um, okay. That is, there is a guy I've known for probably close to 25 years who was a wrestling tape collector. And he had something like 20,000 tapes. Wow. And now he has nearly that many DVDs as well. And, you know, his house is literally like a... Well, the sad thing about it is those tapes just sitting on the shelf, does this go bad? Yeah, they do. You you just can't watch them after a while. Yeah, and you can see on his shelves... After a little while, after 10, 10, 15 years, they're just dead. Yeah. Well, it's not so bad if you actually just flip them once once a year or so. Yeah. And for a while, he had a little thing that said... uh, that had dates, and he would go through and he would really flip them, but it just got out of control. Where you, yeah. you know, you can't do twenty thousand tapes like that. That's madness. Well, but the other thing you have to realize is you can't go back and watch them. No, life is too short. Sorry, yeah. and there will always be new ones. Uh, look to the light. So, um, wasn't that an episode of Amazing Stories? It's going to be now. No, uh, that that was the one. The Amazing Stories that had uh, Mark Hamill, Hamill on it. Yes, where he said, "Never get rid of anything, <laughs> anything you love." You love. And then he sold it all. And then he the sold it all. Man. Dizzy yep. Dean in a platinum thing. Who will start the bidding at 13000 Yes. Uh, so, yes, my aunt called me and said, that was you, wasn't it? That was Mark Hamill, Mom. You all think that's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got a collection problem you'd like to talk about with us, we're here for you. Or questions, comments, compliments, commentary, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. want to remind you again, of course, if you've enjoyed this, you get it, get it on iTunes, subscribe, give us a rating. We really appreciate that. Uh, and tell your friends, absolutely. Listen to us on the Stitcher app. And what was our other thing? Oh, of course, you can always find it, and occasionally you can even find articles we're talking about Maybe on you've been writing a lot of articles lately. .fanboyplanet.com. I've gotten a lot of contribution and participation from other people. I really appreciate that. Excellent. Trying to streamline like crazy, but yeah, I, I made an effort this week and some good stuff up yeah. there. Uh, and so, 
Uh, which, oh, to remind you, too, on Sunday night is that Robot Chicken DC special. Yes. I'm so, so looking psyched. forward to it. So wrong. So wrong. Anyway. Now uh, I've got to get this up before Sunday. Yeah, you might. All right. So I'm, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. I'm Christopher J. Garcia, Hugo winner. And I'm Rick Bretsnyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.